You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, what's up, music lovers? Welcome to Modern Musicology. My name is Alan, and I've got a couple of amazing friends with me. The first is DJ and journalist Rob Levy. What's up? And I've got former Aquanetta's drummer, current solo artist, and bird enthusiast, Stephanie Seymour. Hello, everybody. So this is our, our uh, follow-up to our Halloween episode. Uh, and I bring that up because I want to say... That in our last episode, uh, Stephanie sadly was not with us, and we're very glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back. And in that episode, I said that you were unavailable to record with us because you give out the good candy for Halloween. <laughs> and I realized afterward that that sounds like you're either a drug dealer or you're luring children out. into an unmarked van. No, yeah, and, well, you never and know. I just want really. to ass- I just want to assure <laughs> listeners that neither one of those things is the case. <laughs> Stephanie is a perfectly lovely oh. and upstanding citizen. And I'm law-abiding now. Now her, now her husband. Oh. <laughs> Bob, on well, the other hand. <laughs> I'm not speaking on his behalf. I'm just <laughs> and so, yeah, this week, uh, three of us are here, but no Anthony, no because Anthony. he has uh, some other obligation tonight, so oh. he's not available. But we will be talking about the albums of 1992. This was a screwball of a year. And uh, it's going to be fun to talk about. Before that, though, um, I got some listener feedback about uh, our Halloween episode. Oni Bowers in Atlanta says that he listened to the Halloween songs episode and really enjoyed it. However, there are a few omissions worth pointing out. First, in terms of soundtracks, I feel I should mention Rocky Horror, especially since I saw a production of it last week. Mm-hmm. And as far as spooky songs go, there is Season of the Witch by Donovan and mm-hmm. Ghost Riders in the Sky, which has been covered by various artists, most notably Johnny Cash. Keep cool. up the great work and happy Halloween. Both of those were on my Spotify playlist. Hey. Yeah. And Season of the Witch was on my list of things to mention on the episode and just never yeah. found an opportunity to put it in. So those are yeah. very good. Cool. Uh, inclusions. Although I prefer the version by Luna than the one by Donovan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Elaine Sweatman, also from Atlanta, says, did anyone mention Tubular Bells from The Exorcist? I was thinking about that when I was listening to the episode. Right. Yep. Right. I was yeah. reminded of it somewhere else after we had recorded the episode, and I thought, oh, yeah. how did we miss that? Yeah, she says... Now. Yeah, she says, I don't think I heard that one talked about. That's always been one of my top Halloween slash spooky songs. Yes. So that's awesome. And Jessica, one of our regular listeners from Florida, uh, noted that we talked about how we didn't know that many hip hop Halloween songs. So she sent us an album by an artist called Clipping, which is all like the whole album is basically ready made for a Halloween playlist. So Thank you, Jessica, so much for, and all of you, Elaine and Tony, for uh, sending us some feedback. We appreciate getting it, and we love reading it out on our shows. So thanks a lot. 
we are talking about the albums of 1992 and this was a really really interesting year there was all kinds of crazy stuff going on um what are some of your impressions of 92 like just overall like not specific albums or anything but just the year itself i i feel like it was i i know i say this about every year we keep covering but i feel like <laughs> this one is all is so all over the place it's it's hard to even grasp i mean you know, you've got stuff like obviously it is a it is you know year of grunge. Also, there's you know I am going to talk about Allison Chains in a little while, but you know stuff like that. But then you've got stuff like Ride, Curve, Spiritualize, Catherine Wheel, Ocean Color Scene, Charlatans, a great record, all that kind of scene. Then you also have really some rock and hard metal coming out that year, like Iron Maiden and Wasp and Slaughter and like Pantera. And then you have sort of a, I guess it was that a third wave of ska kind of scene, like the Mighty Mighty Boston's No Doubts first record came out. Um, and then, you know, L7 and Lush and Pavement and Guided by Voices, Afghan Wigs, Faith No More, just uh, a lemon has, I mean, I, to me, my head explodes when I think about this year. I think there's so many, so such such variety of <laughs> styles that it's hard to even I know. know where to start. Uh, I agree. So uh, let me just say that as we dive into these podcasts, sometimes it triggers memories and times and things. And I have to say that 1982 was one of the possibly the most interestingly weird and influx personal and musical years of my entire life <laughs> because outside of all the crazy music that was going on i was going once a month to new york because i met a girl and i decided that i was going to move to new york in 1992 and i sold off for the first time my entire record collection oh, right wow oh, my. Um, <laughs> as well as all my comics so a lot of this triggers like just crazy memories that I forgot. And some of them that are just, there. there's a lot of crazy shit that happened to me in 1992. Um, some of which is, is kind of funny, but um, I just remember it was a weird year um, because I was clubbing a lot and I was clubbing in two different cities. So the stuff I would hear in one club versus another club and then going to see live music. And then, um, you know, Steph pretty much stole all my, my thunder about it. it was the start of all the shoegaze stuff. But oh, yeah. it also it also did two things. It kicked off um, the Riot Girl movement because you had the Bikini Kill yep. first record. Yep. And then you get the first Breeders. I think you, you get a Breeders EP that year, too. And then it also kind of kick-started this weird quasi-ambient electronic thing, mm -hmm. right? Because you had the Orb that put out a 45-minute single. Um, the KLF made a record with Tammy Wynette. You know, and you just had all this. There's crazy a lot stuff. of electric stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's just, man, uh, it's a lot, you know. Yeah. And then it's also a year that all these bands that I had spent my formative sort of college years as a college music director and, and a radio person started hearing on commercial radio. So that's mm -hmm. that's kind of my 1992 in, in, a, in a big giant ball of mess. A big giant ball of mess. <laughs> I think that pretty much says it all. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, you know, my one of my things that I like to to talk about is Prague. And this is a this is an interesting time for Prague because 
a lot of those old prog bands are not doing, there's nothing, mm -hmm. but there's this like whole new second wave of prog that's much more inspired by metal and Metallica and stuff like that. That's on the rise. Um, so I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but then you've got just all sorts of things, you know, you've got the sort of a, a rise in, uh, folk rock and, you know, dance rock is doing a whole thing. And so there's just lots of just crazy stuff going on. So Stephanie, I think that you should kick us off on this topic because when we're talking about the music scene of 1992, you were actually in the music scene of 92. The Aquanetas put out a new single that year. So I would love to have you tell us about that. Okay. Well, I don't know if anyone will remember that. Well, yeah, people will remember that. You know, Primal Scream put, put Scream Adelica out in 1991, but it was late in 91. So Prim, Primal Scream was like raging popular in 92 with Scream Adelica. It was huge. And so we were kind of friends with them. Uh, the Aquanet, that was my old band, the Aquanettas. And we had a song that we called, that was called Whoa. And um, Andrew from the band, not Andy Weatherall, but Andrew from primal scream was was a little bit on the record with me doing some percussion but he also produced it and stuff so um we did release woe and we had a we were touring in europe at that point um we did like a uk tour we did we went up to the shetland islands even and did this whole tour but yeah we had woe out and that was one of our kind of I think I think that's my favorite Aquanetta song, and it had a very very similar bassline to Delight's "Grooves in the Heart." <laughs> very similar, probably unintentional, but like it just was very reminiscent of, and it yeah. was. So, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and so, I still have the twelve inch. Yay! Oh, awesome! That's so yeah. cool. With the press kit. So you didn't sell that off and when you went on your gallivanting that year? Um, no, I think okay, I got good. that. I think I got that actually after. Okay, That's good. The, <laughs> um, survived the culling. I think, <laughs> no, I mean, I think I got it like at 94 after I got home. I think I oh, bought okay. it used later. I think. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'll send you like 20. I have probably those in my basement. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> so what are some of your highlights of the year? What what do you want to start with? Can I start us off with one that sort of has nothing to do with any of the things I just mentioned? That's of course. okay. It's my favorite. It's my favorite album by this artist, and it's also I probably my favorite of of ninety two. It is Henry's Dream by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I don't know how much <laughs> um, Rob's bowing down for that one. It's it's really it's just an absolutely incredible album i i want to say that nick cave's pe mid period his like 80s to 90s kind of period was even over the top more um kind of filled with images of like death and horror and weirdness than than some of his other time periods um I feel like when you listen to his lyrics, you are sort of transported into land of the 1800s, like traveling sideshow, you know, snake oil salesman circus, or like a Tarantino version of Little House on the Prairie where like Pa grabbed an ax and started murdering the townspeople. You know, it's just, 
that's the kind of weird shit that, you know, he writes about stuff like, you know, just dark and whatever. And I feel like each song on this album is a little bit of like a, no is a novella. And then if you put the whole thing together, it's a novel so that you can listen to each song individually. And it tells us, us bizarre and twisted story, but together it's just like, it is so powerful and impactful. Um, my favorite songs on it are I had a dream Joe, which that is just so, I, you know, I'm saying all this, like he's deep, dark and whatever, but they've got, they've got real melodies and the bad seas are seeing these incredible harmonies and like almost call and response kind of, it sounds like a, sea shanty meets like you're in a pub in England kind of call and response, but they can sing and they can harmonize. Um, Papa won't leave you, Henry, amazing tune. And straight to you is a beautiful, beautiful ballad. Um, so I just, I, I can't say enough. I mean, it's sort of like a mix of blues, punk, rock, goth, cabaret, all mixed together in one and really one of a kind. So I can't recommend it enough. And that is what I'm starting with. That's cool. That's cool. You've inspired me to go. I, I, I know of stuff from it, but I don't oh. think I've ever listened to the entire album. So now I, I feel like I have to. Yeah, it's He's I, so amazing. So mm. He's so and I've seen him live and I actually met him once backstage at Lollapalooza. And he, I was so intimidated. I brought the book. One of the books that he wrote is called When the Ass Saw the Angel. And I, I approached him really terrified because I thought he, he's also really, really super tall. And, and he was so nice. And he was, Aww. he was like, yeah, you, you brought the book. Cool. <laughs> like, oh, that's really so nice. nice. I know. Yay. I, I have to say too, the other thing I noticed about 1992 is how much of the records I got from Stephanie that year, hmm. like the curve and yeah. disposable heroes of hypocrisy and moose um gangstar maybe gangstar yeah all these but you know uh i i remember that was the first year i i was it was i was just finishing up being a music director and the body count record came out yeah and this i just remember it being a year where like people were starting to really freak out about music lyrics yeah yes. so like as a music director who was programming the chronic and you know um body count and these things that were DJs were playing it because we were free form. Like I NWA. Just I just remember that sort of that was the advent of like people freaking out about music. And it was weird. I, I remember that mm -hmm. musically though, this is sort of a, for me, it's an album that uh, is still one of my favorite records and people sort of have forgotten it. But then when you bring it up, people are like, Oh yeah, it's great. Um, and that's the first record from Catherine Wheel. It's called Ferment. Because yeah. Black, yes. I mean, Black Metallic, right? I have five different promo singles for it, each one with a different length from like three minutes to seven to whatever, right, for radio. And every version of that song is perfect. If it's long, if it's short, whatever. That whole record's great, right? Black Metallic, though, is probably one of the five or six great records of the decade that nobody talks about. I love that record. It still holds up well. And... Um, it's just it's yeah. just a terrific record. That's a good That's pick. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned body count because I think that is such a hugely significant release from 92 that came out on March 31st. And this is Ice T fronting a metal band. Yeah. And man, is it just a crazy album. I remember how much the song Cop Killer just freaked people out. Like people were yeah. like defensive about that and angry about that and 
you know, I thought it was so interesting. And I remember, um, I saying at some point, he's like, you know, I'm not really a cop killer. You know, if you, I, I think I got this quote, right. If, if you think just because you hear that in a song that I am a cop killer, then you also think that David Bowie is an astronaut. <laughs> That's so fucking great. <laughs> He's like, and I play a cop on TV. <laughs> that is true now. That's right. Yeah. You know, I remember the new music seminar of 1992 when I was on a music, I, I was, I, I was at um, the new music seminar and I was at a panel on music censorship where on it was ice, um, ice tea and Diamanda Gallus. Mm. And it was very, very weird. Interesting. Wow. Mixed. Yeah. yeah. But that and, body uh, count it, record, you're absolutely right, Alan. That yes. Such a, I mean, such that's a kind moment. of why you remember body count, which is too bad because they, they were great. I saw them at CB's, I believe, and they were fantastic. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, they're, they're still going. Yeah. They put out an album called Carnivore in 2020, and they have a new one called Mercy, Merciless, which mm -hmm. is coming out. Cool. Um, so it's not like they were a one and done kind of no. thing. They have been a, I mean, not a constant thing. They work around, you know, ICE's other projects and stuff, but I mean, they're still a force. Yeah. That so, was a great pick. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to, my number two um, album was, uh, is check your head by the beastie boys, mm -hmm. which was their third album. Um, you know, it's funny when I was reading this thing like, oh, it's sort of like considered a comeback from Paul's Boutique, which was considered a failure. I mean, Paul's Boutique, a failure. People are on crack. Like that was such a great yeah. record. I don't even know what pe people just say shit. But, but that record was way ahead of its time, though. That's the yes, thing, too. A hundred percent. I guess you know. so. I mean, yeah. but but anyway, this this album, Check Your Head, is so sick. It's amazing. This So this album, they're sort of like going back to playing instruments rather than like, you know, having everything sampled and, you know, electronic, whatever. But um, so, yeah, they're there. And you can actually the, the album covers them all sitting with their instruments on the sidewalk. But um, so, I, I, you know, I and again, on this album, a lot of reviews seem to have been like people think it's a great cross and mix of styles, but other people think it's just a mess. I think I think it's like total genius. Mm. Um, I mean, that song Gratitude and so what you want and finger looking good. There's so many great songs. Lighten up. There's so many great songs on this. Um, also, this album has the first appearance of um, the keyboard player Money Mark. Mm. He became a collaborator with them for you know a lot of their other albums and stuff. And he was a pretty big you know part of you know just the the way their sound went in the future. And this is where they they kind of started in with him. So I, that's my second pick. I think it's a it's amazing. So the thing I remember about 1992 was that um, the Beastie Boys were all over MTV. Yeah. They were everywhere, right? They Whatever the Yo! MTV Raps is, the whatever the beach show was, um, they were everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, beach show. <laughs> but um, the other thing that I remember about MTV of 1992 is that literally by the end of 1992, everyone that loved R.E.M. was sick and tired of R.E.M. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy. They had a great year automatic for the people. I can yeah. go back and revisit it now. And it's like, this is a great record, yeah. but man, they ran that friggin' album into the ground. <laughs> That's the truth. And I don't think it was as strong as some of the stuff that came before it. No, I agree. I think they were just riding the wave of, of uh, previous successes. Yeah. Um, and it's a good album and the, the singles they released for it are good. 
just yeah yeah yep not as good as the stuff before and there's a lot of stuff after that that i like a lot more too totally yeah so okay so here's alan with the prog report oh we need a prog report every time so this is a really interesting time because you know there's no yes there's no genesis there's no any of that stuff is happening around this time but um the one holdover that i that i found is um asia they put out an album called aqua and they're not prog they're prog adjacent but this album is very definitely not prog-ish um it was the first with their uh new singer john Payne, and i hated it oh my god i hated his voice i didn't like any of the songs so I was like, well, this is trash. And I just went on. But what's interesting is that the early 90s is when a lot of the up and coming, really edgy prog bands are hitting the scene. And um, you, they, they're, they're much more metal oriented. And the, the first one that I really discovered was Dream Theater. Their second album came out that year, Images and Words. And it's just a brilliant album. It it made my head explode the first time I heard it and I couldn't stop listening to it. And it's got just an amazing collection of songs. Uh, Metropolis is still my favorite dream theater song period, but it's got pull me under, um, under a glass moon, a few other things that are just really, really great. But I think equally as significant. Um, and that came out in July in March, a few months earlier, the first tool album came out oh and i think that that is really interesting (laughs) to go back and listen to it now because it it has a lot of the things that you sort of like identify as tool trademarks you know the the really strange time signatures and the interesting like phrasing and everything but it's also there's less of that than what you expect now and i think that it's much more (laughs) accessible in a way you know, for a tool album to say that it's accessible. I don't know. But <laughs> this, there's a lot more of it that's in a straight four four than you would normally get on a tool album. Uh, it's called Opiate and it's oh, man, it's so good. I didn't discover that in 92. It was a while before I really started to uh, clue into tool. But Dream Theater, um, I, I was on images and words as soon as I I don't even remember how I found that. I don't know if somebody recommended it to me, but I bought it the first time I saw it and I took it home and I was like, my brain melted and, <laughs> and it is, Oh man, it's so good. So that's, that's all there was really going on that year. Cool. Peter Gabriel put out us, which Holy shit. That was a great album, mm-hmm. you know, not really progish or anything like that, but just a killer album digging in the dirt, kiss that frog steam. Come talk to me, man. It's such a good, good, good album. Yeah, that was really good. I almost picked that album, actually. Yeah. 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 And, you know, kind of piggybacking, not necessarily prog, but I remember when Wayne's World came out in 1992 and how Mm. that sort of helped build more of a resurgence for Queen. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And um, I just remember that I knew more and more people that stopped making fun of me for liking queen that year than mm-hmm. any other, other year possible. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We're going to take a super quick break. We'll be back in 30 seconds. We've got to tell you about one of the other shows that comes up on our network. We'll be back to finish our discussion in just a second. 
Hey readers, are you looking for a new podcast? Why don't you grab a drink and join us in discussing your favorite books with the authors who wrote them. Go behind the curtain and find out what your favorite authors love to drink. I am going to be drinking an Irish car bomb. <laughs> or find out what they really think about what's going on in the world. Well, a little while the world was ending. So I'm like, well, I ain't got time to read a book about the day. So pour a shot and click below and start listening. All right, we're back. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Um, who wants to do another highlight from that year? Stephanie, you got another good one? I want to do another good one. It's, I don't know what the my frame of mind was this year, but I'm picking another album with pretty deep, dark lyrics um, about death and uncertainty, mm. chaos. Bone Machine by Tom Waits. This is Tom Waits' 11th album. And again, this also might be my favorite album of his of all of his albums. Um, it, it was very like percussion heavy. It was super rough and raw. And I mean, his, his voice sounds crazy rough all the time anyway, in a great way, but wow, even on, on this re- record, it's just like beyond. So this, you know, speaking of Aquanetas and going on tour and so this was one of the, this was one of the very few albums that got us through the van rides, you know, through the UK and stuff, we would be, we would put this on and this would just be constantly playing and we'd be like singing along to it. And it's got, it's got beautiful songs on it that are, that, that so many people have interpreted. Um, I think the most probably and most interpreted one is whistle down the wind. I always mm-hmm. wanted to cover that one. And then I looked at, saw how many people covered it. I was like, I can't do that. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but like Jesus going to be here. It's almost like a gospel kind of soulful kind of thing. Dirt in the ground, a beautiful song or earth died screaming. just like blows my mind. So that again, you know, a deep and dark record, but also really beautiful so that's my that's one of my main picks for that year so uh, i will see your 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 <laughs> darkness of tom waits and nick cave and i will raise you a pj harvey drive oh cool <laughs> very nice uh her debut <laughs> album it's got victory she lit a gig on it some other stuff um it was amazing uh it came out in march i saw her in new york on that tour in uh, a club and um, it was incredible, and I have loved her ever since. And it also circles back to Nick Cave because he eventually she ended up on singing on some Nick Cave records. Well, and also they they dated like didn't. Well, they I was trying to keep that. Yeah, up, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. No, you know, everyone needs to know that that like the the, the dark couple. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I I just you know it still sounds great. It's also of all the yeah. records that she's made, it's also the one that is just the most visceral and raw. Yeah. And you know, everyone talks about Bikini Kill and the Ride Girl movement starting in that year. But really, when you listen to that first PJ Harvey record, that's a woman that is tearing down every single thing around her. Um, just in 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 rage. It's just, Yeah, no, you're right. When you first hear it, it's like very it was very shocking. I remember. Um I wish I could just listen to that record again for the first time because I think it was one of the few records that year that I just remember being completely captivated by. Um so yeah. Cool hmm. pick. That's cool. What you got, Alan? Well, okay. Um 
I found a couple of instances of things where like two, like different bands are doing really close to the same thing. And these things came out on the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the B-52s who put out a really interesting album called Good Stuff on June 23rd. And this is this is kind of a strange album for them because of uh, Cindy Wilson has left the band because she just needed some time. You know, um, her brother had died a couple of years earlier and um, the previous album, you know, with Love Shack and Rome and all those things had been so huge and that their touring was just nonstop and she just needed a break. And so they basically did this album with uh, just Fred and and Kate. You know, there's there's some good stuff on it. But the same day, the D-Light album, Infinity Within, comes out. So this is a case of, of two bands who have, like, the previous uh, album were huge. And uh, D-Light had, um, you know, Groove is in the Heart on that previous album. This one did not have anything quite like that. But Infinity Within, a, a good album. Um, and I feel like their style was sort of B-52s-ish in the sense that it was very dancey and very clubby. And I feel like their lead singer, Lady Keir, had a very um, Kate Pearson sort of vibe going on. So I thought it was interesting that those two Mm -hmm. things came out on the same day. But then if you jump down to September 29, two, and, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the grunge year, two of the most important albums ever from the 90s i think came out on september 29th and that is dirt by yes. allison chains and core by stone temple pilots dude you stole dirt records, from me but you're totally right <laughs> those records are pile drivers oh my they god so good especially that allison chains album that that is an insane record i mean yeah just wood the song wood yeah. alone is like outrageous that was from the, that also was featured in singles mm-hmm. the, movie, the movie that year which was huge so i mean that got, sure was got them even more exposure yeah um, but yeah i mean they had five songs from that album they had five that were singles that yeah. were singles yeah uh rooster yep them bones down in a hole man there was just angry chair that whole album was yep. just solid from start to finish it was it was a freaking great record yep it's still and, I, I still think it's the best Alice in Chains album. I do too. Yeah. And I'm sort of on that hard rock angle, but in a different way, Rage mm. Against the Machines debut album mm. out that yep. year. And that, it just also blew me yep. away. You know, Killing in the Name. Wow. Oh my gosh. What yeah. a powerful song. That was written about the Rod- Rodney King. Um, mm-hmm. It was to me, it was a really great cross between like metal and hip hop. And I think Zach, you know, Zach had such a, has such a unique voice. I just never had heard anything like it. And they, yeah. the thing about them is they were so, you know, they were anti-corporate America, uh, you know, for the oppressed, for the underdog, against racism. You know, they were just so protesting these things, you know, that, and it hit home for me so hard. And uh, I don't think their man, their rage was manufactured in any way, shape, or form. They were fucking pissed off, and you knew right. it, and they were just, just right. out there with it. And it was so authentic. Like I, that's such an amazing album. Yeah. Um, another hard rock one that I want to throw out is, um, and I still think it's their best album as well. Megadeth, Countdown mm-hmm. to uh, Extinction, Dude, <laughs> Symphony of Destruction is one of the greatest metal. <laughs> 
songs ever written. Oh my God. I love, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, 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 a sort of a hair metal band. They call themselves iron mullet <laughs> that plays here in Atlanta and they're really good. Mm-hmm. And they do an amazing symphony for destruction. Wow. That's so it, one of my highlights when I go to see them, but uh foreclosure of a dream, sweating bullets. God, that, that Megadeth album is just unstoppable. That's a good one. So I'm going to take this in yet another different direction. I would be remiss, especially being in New York so much that year. Um, that is the year of Madonna's erotica. And yes. Madonna yes. Madonna put out the sex book. Yes. And um, my friend was in that book. Oh, really? Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Huh, interesting. Um, <laughs> He's a guy. He was a guy. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the thing is, while the record was nowhere near any of the quality that any of her other stuff had done, mm. it was completely shock-valued. I mean, the songs were different. It's a, it was yeah. a whole different direction for her, right? And, it's, and it's, it still holds its own as a really interesting record. Yeah. But I don't think people were ready for it in 1992. And, you know, that album and the companion sex book... Mm-hmm. just really freaked people out. And this yeah. harkens back to the body count again thing that we were talking about. There's yeah. a lot of music that came out in 1992 that freaked people out for, for reasons now that we're like, really? Like you think about Rage, you think about Madonna, you think about body count and NWA and Dre. And it's just like... Really? Shockers then. They were shockers. Or even, you know, when Come As You Are by Nirvana came out that year, people freaked out. It's it's interesting because like I don't remember going anywhere in a record store without having that record around for like a three month period, either like a poster or hearing it played or people talking about it. Right. She she set out to make people talk about her. Yes. And she achieved her goal. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's I think it's important to note that this is the year that she launched Maverick, mm-hmm. which is her basically her entertainment conglomerate it's a record label it's a publisher it's all kinds of shit and um the erotica album and the sex book were the first two things that was released on maverick so this is what this is her basically her vehicle for launching her own business and Mm. so in that sense i think it was really successful because it got a lot of attention it got a lot of controversy controversy sells copies so i think that she set herself up really well um to launch this new venture of hers but i i think that erotica is a great album i think mm-hmm. that i think i like a lot of madonna's 90s stuff i think yeah. a lot of her 80s things get a little trite i think that um in the 90s she put out a lot of really really interesting things and i think yeah. the erotica album's got some great stuff on it deeper and deeper yes rain fever i just love mm-hmm. all that stuff so, yeah, we, we were at the lime, we were at the limelight when they filmed the video for Deeper and Deeper, and oh, they cool. made it, they made us all leave so that they could film it. They like basically like made everyone leave. Oh huh. yeah, like at eight thirty at night. <laughs> oh, okay, and they didn't we tell have, us why. Yeah, we had the we had the venue for the rest of the night. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. I, like Deeper and Deeper is still one of my favorite Madonna songs. Yeah, I just think it's it's perfect. Uh, as, a, as a pop yeah. record, as a pop record, mm-hmm. and the thing that I remember the most about that, because I've kind of gone back and listened to some of the Madonna re- records that weren't necessarily like known for hits, and 
it is very much an artist that is like challenging the convention of what it is to be a pop star and what it is to be popular by doing it on her own terms. So again, yeah. you're seeing what happens with Bikini Kill, the Beastie Boys, um, you know, Tori Amos, you know, you're seeing all these people that are independent voices mm-hmm. making their stamp on music that is challenging and confrontational. And that hadn't happened in a while. And it was really an interesting year for that. Yeah. Um, speaking of sort of a different groundbreaking in another way, I'm going to veer off into another kind of. <laughs> it's so easy to do that in 92. I know. <laughs> um, but I think it's pretty important to mention the um, band Arrested Development because they had yeah. that amazing debut, three years, five months, and two days in the life of. Yeah. I mean, this was like. You know, the kind of hip hop that was out then was really like gangsta hip hop at that time. Super, Mm -hmm. super, um, you know, like you said, Rob, a lot of controversial stuff going on. And um, especially in that rap genre, much of it that I I really liked. But these guys came out and they're promoting like peace and spirituality and love on this record. And it was a complete kind of flip on the head of of this of the genre of hip-hop and i think it was a major influence on a lot of bands to come it just introduced a lot of people to this kind of like southern hip-hop that was coming out that you know that was underground kind of for a while and then broke into the mainstream um and just tennessee is really one of my favorite songs it's Mm -hmm. it blows my mind every time i hear it because i don't think anything sounds like it at all. I think they have such a unique song and it's just like, it stands out for all time. So I just wanted to throw that out there for the genre. Mm. I think it's super important. Yeah, I totally agree. I got a couple of other hard rock things that I want to bring up. And this is like a couple of legacy bands who are doing kind of a really important things in this year the first one is kiss they put an album called revenge um in may and i think that revenge it it usually comes in at my top or maybe second place favorite kiss album ever it's um they do a lot with song arrangement that they've never done before it's a it's a really really heavy album but it's fun Mm -hmm. it's not like they did one later on that was heavy but kind of like like a dirge this one has a lot of energy to it it's really great um it's mostly known for um the song um god gave rock and roll to you which came from uh the second bill and ted uh movie and um but it's it's interesting because it was right after their drummer eric carr died and they go into the studio with a new drummer and and it, it was it was kind of a controversial move and a lot of the fans loved Eric Carr and were not happy that Kiss was just seemingly brushing right past his death, you know, and it didn't quite play out that way. You know, when you're, when you're a fan, you don't really see all the behind the scenes stuff, you know, you just see what you perceive. Um, And, but it's a, it's a, just an incredibly good album. And the other one is Black Sabbath. They do a, an album called Dehumanizer, and this is the first one with Ronnie James Dio coming back into the group after having left the band in 80, what was it, 
83, 84, 84, I think it was after the, he did two albums with them in uh, 81 and 82 and then uh, a live album. And it was at that point that they were kind of like gone their separate ways. So Ronnie James Dio comes back in, in, in 92 and they do an album called Dehumanizer. It's really good. It's got a couple of my favorite Black Sabbath songs on it. Um, one called I and one called After All. Just a great, great album. So, you know, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I'm bringing up isn't isn't really that typically 92. I mean, I've, I had Body Count and I've got, yeah. you know, Alice in Chains, you know. But, you know, other than that, I've got a lot of legacy stuff that's kind of happening. You know, yeah. these, bands are, these bands are holding on and still doing good stuff. So, yeah. That counts. It was a yeah. smorgasbord that year. Exactly. It was. I also exactly. want to just say this was something that I was lucky enough to to promote because when I was working at a, a Virgin, it, it was actually on the Vernon Yard label, like it was which was like a subsidiary, I think, of ours. You know, if, it was either Caroline or us. But we anyway, the Verve EP came out that year. And that was like a foreshadowing of the greatness of Verve and how amazing, you know, that band was. I don't know. I mean, you know, Bittersweet Symphony was, you know, coming only in just a couple of years, not even really. Um, so on this on this EP, my favorite song is Gravity Grave. But I mean, A Man Called Sun and She's, in, She's a Superstar, Endless Life and Feel are, they're all great songs. And they're all just you can feel that they've got something really special on this EP. And I think they really realized their potential after that. They really did. And when you saw this band live, it did. it's like you're kind of transported to like a world where, you know, you lived every note of their music and everything else sort of just disappeared when you saw them live. They're so fantastic. They just, they were mind blowing. The, they, this was this for, the Verve is one of my favorite bands. Yeah, and I'm going to piggyback with that. I know you mentioned it a little bit, but you have the the very beginnings of the gestation of Britpop because you have between the 10th and 11th by the Charlottes. Charlottes, yeah, right. You've got uh, the second EMF album, Stigma. You've got uh, which is which is garbage. Uh, you have Curve, <laughs> Curve and Doppelganger, which is an amazing record. Uh, Ride Going Black Again and Lush for Spooky. Like th that core yeah. album, that core block of albums along with mm. Catherine Wheel um, really did something. And you have the Jesus and Mary Chain put out a record that oh, yeah. well. And then also uh, James put out Seven, which is their most commercially yeah. popular record um, that year. So you have this like really big British thing going on. Uh, the other thing I remember that year is that was sort of the, the wave of the bands from New Zealand. There was this like there was this like New Zealand craze. The straight jacket fits and the chills. The chills have released, I think, soft bomb that year. But you had like straight jacket fits and the chills and the triffids and all these bands from New Zealand mm -hmm. were really starting to get popular over in America. It's not a movement that is, you know, like everyone remembers, but there were some really great record labels. And yeah. you know, the go-between started to come over here and tour a little more as well. Um, and if you are a fan of darkness and despair. Um, that was a good year too, because you had the cure with wish. That's right. <laughs> right? Who isn't a fan of those things? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Murphy with Holy Smoke. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then you've got, you've got She's Nine Inch Mary Nails Jane. with, oh. uh, yeah, you got Nine Inch Nails with that broken EP with the Adam Ant cover. Mm -hmm. 
you got a frontline assembly record, you've got Cam FDM, you've got the one-off singles, but there's a lot of industrial records. So you had the, mm. that sort of like industrial movement going on as well. Totally. I talked about the orb earlier, but you had like the future sound of London who had one of the best songs on the cruel were on the uh, cruel world soundtrack. And then you had, you know, the shaman, but you also, that's the year we got the prodigy. That's the very first prodigy. Yeah, record. that's right. Yeah. Um, right. Because you had, and that, and that first prodigy record is like amazing. Which launched like chemical brothers and all that, you know, like that kind of whole, yeah, yeah. that was a whole scene too. Um, and that record, man, that thing is great. And then you had kind of the flip side sugar coated part of that, uh, which was the Utah Saints, which took nothing seriously. They literally sampled everything. They sampled Simple Minds. They sampled Kate Bush. I mean, if it had a pulse, they sampled it. Mm-hmm. And they said their name like 50,000 times in every friggin' record, right? <laughs> um, and it was like, oh, my God, they were just – yeah. It, it still holds up well, but you had that sort of beginning of the weird techno rave thing, and probably one of my favorite records – from that year that no one remembers like that it was how great it is is buffalo stance by nana cherry oh my that's god a, that's a great song it's a friggin' great record oh, it's right? so good i still play that over and over and over i yeah. love that it's a uh, weird song it's not one that you would think would be as commercially successful no. as it was no and i was happy that they worked that to college radio right yeah that um, was 92 yeah so it was right said fred Right, no, said Fred. No, yeah, I, I worked that to college. I, 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 <laughs> I, I remember. Um, so um, she used to call, and most of the times when she would call, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'd work that record," or I tried to work most of her records because I liked them. Yeah. When she called about right, said Fred, I'm like, "Yeah, I got nothing." I think it's one of the few times I said, "Yeah, I got nothing." Right. Wow. Um, I can't some, argue with that. You had you had a lot of one off. Just tr- you had the Smarties record that like Sesame's Tree mm. Rave record, right? Nah, I, that wasn't that wasn't us. <laughs> I know that wasn't you because it was oh, on okay. That, oh, it was on that. Saying. It was on that. Like um, there was like a techno compilation I, okay, that I, that I, was on, okay. but that record came out. Mm. Um, that was hideous. <laughs> um, now it was hideous. At the time it was like, oh my god, this is like just bizarre you know you had that whole ecstasy club movement thing going on yeah yeah like i was saying with primal scream and like you still had happy mondays and all that stuff going on yeah i saw primal scream that year with a torn acl and stood in the front on crutches and it was just absolutely magnificent probably the best show i saw that year um but one of the other bands i saw that year that was great was sonic youth because they released dirty right Mm -hmm. so you got Sonic Youth Dirty. You got Sugar with Copper Blue, like like Bob Mould making a statement like, okay, Husker Du was great, but here I am. And then you got Pavement and Slanted and Enchanted. And all three of those records sort of really underscore that there was some really cool like indie rock stuff going on, right? Lemonheads. The Lemonheads, uh, which that was their first popular record too. Like the Lemonheads for years had been like this like weird indie band on Tang Records. And then all of a sudden, you know, yeah. they're like, they're like everywhere. And it was weird. Um, so, yeah. And L7, which I know you mentioned. L7, but I think, yeah. I, I know you mentioned them stuff, but like Pretend We're Dead may be one of my favorite records from 1992. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Remember, though, there was also like the singer-songwriter thing going on, too. There's like Luca oh, yeah. Bloom had Tori, you know, out. You know? I love that Luca Bloom record. And I, yeah. uh, you know, that first Tori, Star, uh, Tori Amos record? Tori um, Amos, huge. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Jewel Shear had a record out. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the year I think Your Arsenal came out by Morrissey. Um, so there was like that whole angle, too, you know? Yeah. One of my favorites, 
sort of uh, along those lines is um, Rites of Passage by the Indigo Girls. Oh, yeah. I am a huge Indigo Girls fan. And um, this was fourth album. And I think that they were on a just a strong upward trajectory. And I think that this may be my favorite Indigo Girls album. It's so, so perfect. Um, just it, the big single off of it was Galileo, but there's so many just amazing songs, three hits. Mm -hmm. Ghost is one of my favorite. Um, it, it actually might be my favorite Emily Saliers songs, um, just because of the, the imagery and the lyrics and the chord progressions and the harmonies are just so in, in intricately woven. That's so great. Jonas and Ezekiel, but then Amy Ray does this completely solo. It's just her and her guitar cover of dire straits's romeo and juliet holy i mean far far surpasses the original wow. the original is a good song but amy ray just takes that song and makes it like a signature tune for herself and it's just incredible yeah and a, another thing kind of along those lines um the sundays which is a band that uh, their first <sighs> album came out in 89 uh, Blind was their second album, and it's mostly known because of their their cover of uh, the Rolling Stones' Wild Horses. And I'm just going to say, again, better than the original. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, it's such a good... I don't think that it matches the first album. I think that first Sunday's album is so perfect. And this one is really good, but it's not perfect. You yeah. know? It's close to being perfect, but not quite there. But, uh, I, you know, so when I put together a Sunday's playlist, it's like everything from the first album and a smattering of things from the second and third album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there and th there's also another kind of thing going on in this year in sort of R&B land, which is, you know, like there was TLC starting out. Yeah, that's right. Know, there was on Vogue, which had a huge second record. Yeah. Um, Soul to Soul had sort of maybe that was a greatest or not a greatest hits, but like a, a compilation, I think. But there's a couple of other things that I want to throw in that mix. And speaking of mix, Sir Mix a lot. Yeah. Um, the album Mac Daddy, which had the biggest hit of his whole career, Baby Got Back. Come on. <laughs> Have you seen that video? where he does a guest appearance. I don't remember where. Was it Seattle? Uh, where he makes a guest appearance with the symphony orchestra. And the symphony plays that, like a, he they accompany him and he does the, the whole rap, the whole song. <laughs> and like all these girls get up from the audience in their like formal black dress and they just get up on stage and just dance. And there's this one girl who is just moving her shit. And it is, <laughs> oh my God, it's like one of the greatest videos. It's like this clash of musical styles and it's so beautiful. <laughs> it is so exuberant. <laughs> That's great. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, Prince put out an amazing album that year. The title is basically the symbol that eventually became his name. So mm -hmm. the unpronounceable symbol. So it's referred to as the love symbol album. And it's so good. Uh, sexy motherfucker. Uh, my name is Prince. The big hit off of it was seven, which is one of my favorite Prince singles of all time. Mm -hmm. And the final track, just one of the great Prince jams ever, Sacrifice of Victor, is so good. It's a weird album. It's it's like 
sums up 1992 because every style of music is represented on this one album. And he just like every song is going to be something completely different. And it sounds like the 1920s. And then it sounds like swing. And then it sounds like, you know, there's a song called sexy motherfucker. I mean, it's just all over the place. So, but I love that album so much. It's so good. He could do that. He could mix it up. That's also the year you got like, KW, uh, KWS with like please don't go and you had like mm. you know culture beat and you had like all these like one any any song that's in uh night at the roxbury probably oh. came out in 1992 <laughs> so you had this like watered down club music kind of coming yeah. at the end of the year that yeah. was really um sort of like the the palate cleanse for people that didn't like grunge right and some of it is just it hasn't gone away which is mm. really sad um yeah. Also, you know, another record I, I dug out from that year that I forgot came out that year was Pang by Stereo Lab. And mm. yeah, I had Stereo Lab down there. Yeah. Cool. You know, and they were they were also an interesting band, uh, again, who are reforming and touring, but they they really didn't have anybody sounding like them that year. Also, just a kind of like a honorable mention for me to Elms uh, Crackers debut, which was awesome record I, I actually got to work that record too my, my favorite college radio rep sent me that yeah that was me hey. and gave me tickets to the show and <laughs> gave, me, gave me the demos cassette yeah. <laughs> um and the other album by one of my favorite bands concrete blonde uh walking in london came out yes i don't think it like to me it was not as great as bloodletting but still it was it's a great record i mean john yeah. can do no wrong really is that the one that's got ghost of a texas lady yes it yeah, is that's right that yeah. is such a cool song it is yeah <laughs> i yep. love it yep they do a okay. cover of uh it's a it's a man's world on that album too oh yeah that's right mm-hmm. I, I haven't played that in a hundred years yeah um so here's a here's a big left turn Katie Lang in Genu, great album. She's such an amazing singer. Constant Craving was a huge oh, hit that year, yeah. as well as Miss Shadow Lane, which was the follow-up single. And so if you want to talk about what a weird year this is, where you've got Body Count and you've got Alice in Chains and you've got Sir Mix-a-Lot, right in there, right in that mix. And I have to mention this because my partner would divorce me if I didn't mention it. Celine Dion. Celine Dion. The greatest singer in the world. Of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This was, I think, her second English language album. She had done quite a few French language albums. This was her second English. And it had, um, if you ask me to, the the theme from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, that's just a weird thing to throw in the mix when you're talking about, you know, concrete yeah. blonde and stuff like that um if you ask me to was uh that was originally recorded by patty labelle and it was released as a single and it did okay and i remember seeing patty at one point um and she performed that song and she's like i want to thank celine dion for proving to the world that this song could be the hit that i always knew it could be wow <laughs> i know <laughs> I mean, hey, I don't love her songs, but really, but sh- there's no, what can you no. say? Her voice is unbelievable. Yeah. Talk about an unbelievable voice. Annie Lennox, Yay. her first mm-hmm. solo album, Diva, came out. That's a good pick. Oh, mm-hmm. man. That was an amazing, yes. amazing record. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it was a it was a year. It was a year for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what how would you sum up 1992? <laughs> well, it was 12 months, I'll say that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 12 crazy months. <laughs> I want to mention Apex Twin selected Ambient Works, mm-hmm. which was a gr- uh, a really interesting record for uh its time because it was obviously ambient, but it was profoundly influential on electronic music coming for like a decade or two decades later you know the guy's weird but man that record was like a huge deal that year and then like in subsequent years like all these electronic bands just sort of cited as an influence and um it was interesting to have music be quiet that year Mm -hmm. and also we got billy ray cyrus achy breaky heart which all of us (laughs) all of us wanted to like run to the hills when we heard that yeah that's the truth oh my god i hated that song um you know when we were talking about doing 92 i thought you know i don't think i'll have that much to say about 92 you know but then now that i'm you know now that i looked at the list and put my thing together you know there's all that stuff like all my legacy bands are doing great stuff that year there's a lot of new stuff coming out that i really loved so yeah yeah, it was was an interesting year a lot of fun i was thinking the same thing like oh it's just you know Kind of, I was just thinking grunge, 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 but my God, there was so much going on. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Stephanie, why don't you give us a clue about where we could find you on the internet? Okay. You can find me at my website, which is therearebirds.com. You can find me on Facebook at Stephanie Seymour Music. Uh, on Instagram at there underscore r underscore birds and all the streaming platforms. And of course, like Bandcamp, stuff like that. That's right. You can find Anthony. He's not here, but we still want you to look for him on the internet. He does another podcast called Watchers in the Fourth Dimension that is tra- tracking Doctor Who from the very beginning all the way to the end. And they have gotten up into the first season of Tom Baker, which is season 12. Uh, so give that a listen. Rob, where can people find you? So people can find me on the interwebs um, with the needcoffee.com uh, uh, Weekend Justice podcast. Also, uh, you can listen to uh, this thing called radio, which they had in 1992 <laughs> um, on KDHX. Uh, it's a show called Juxtaposition. It's Wednesday nights from 7 to 9 Central. Um, if you're busy or you're watching um, all the cop shows on CBS that night, you can uh, stream it later on our archive stream. Every show is archived for two weeks. And uh, yeah. And can I just say that your Halloween episode was so awesome. Oh, thank you. It was really, really good. Yeah. Oh, Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. And uh, I believe it's still archived. It's yeah. It's not been two full weeks yet. Go listen. So yeah. Hopefully by the time this episode actually comes out and people hear it. And, true. It and usually what I've been doing too, the other thing is speaking of 1992 is every year, the week or so of between, you know, right leading up to Christmas when there's no music out, I've been knocking out every year playing records. So this year is actually going to be 1992. Wow. So hey. you'll be able to hear a lot of this stuff. <laughs> nice. Except probably achy breaky heart. Um <laughs> Oh, come on. You got to put that probably in early December. Nearly just spit my water out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Where can we find you, Alan? Well, um, I can't imagine that anyone would go looking for me, but if they were to, it would be cosmic press 
kozmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C-Press.com. And from there, because I'm going to edit my website like this week, from there, you can jump to any of my other podcasts, which are Alan's Record Bin, which is Earth Station Trek, which is, what's the other one? Oh, the Doctor Who one, uh, Doctor Who A to Z. See, I have so many, I can't remember what they are. <laughs> A lot of, it's ridiculous, a lot of ridiculous. <laughs> and then you can also look at some of the books that I've written and books that I have published by other authors. All right. So that brings us to the end. Next week, we will be having a special guest. Yes. So look for that. We will be back in a week. We'll, we're, God damn it. Now I just fucked everything up. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody have a great week. Take care, keep rocking on, and that's all I got. See you later. Peace out. (laughs) Peace out. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network. Your station for all things geek.